on any grand epic adventure, everyone needs a partner. Um, Sam and Frodo in Lord of the Rings, Batman and Robin, all these countless stories of these heroic events happen with someone else. And in duo, you get that partner. You, you get a Sam and Frodo or a Batman and Robin or any dynamic duo comes to life and you get to travel this weird, crazy speech and debate world together and create magic that I don't think can happen in other events. At speech and debate award ceremonies across the nation, the one clap rule was established to expedite the process of awards, to show appreciation to students who earned a trip to the final stage, but avoid long blocks of applause for dozens of students. The one clap is both efficient and infectious. It is a unifier, a celebration of student success, and a moment of in-sync speech and debate community. Welcome to One Clap, a speech and debate podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Wiley. Let's get started. Greetings and salutations, friends. I'm Lyle Wiley, an English teacher and speech and debate coach at Hot Springs County High School in Wyoming. I am the host of the One Clap podcast, a pod for speech and debate coaches and competitors from Wyoming and really from anywhere. I'm still feeling out just exactly where this pod is going to go, but I will be aiming to release new episodes for the podcast weekly on Tuesdays. The idea of the pod is to connect with coaches and competitors who have found success and voice and community and opportunity in the speech and debate community. I want to learn from all of these amazing people that I'm constantly meeting in this community, and I think together we can do so much more for our students and our programs if we work together to learn from each other. So today I'm going to be talking to Alan Pino, a coach at Cheyenne East High School, about the magic of duo interpretation, uh, among other things. Before we learn from Alan, I think I'm going to just give you a quick overview on duo interpretation. So according to the National Speech and Debate website, speechanddebate.org, duo interpretation is... Two competitors team up to deliver a 10-minute performance of a published play or story. Using offstage focus, competitors convey emotion and environment through a variety of performance techniques focusing on the relationships and interactions between the characters. No props or costumes are used. Performances can also include an introduction written by the students to contextualize the performance and state the title and author. Again, that's from the speechanddebate.org website, and there's a lot more resources there if you're interested in learning about duo in a real basic sense. But it, the, this basic introduction does describe duo okay. Duo is a dynamic interpretive event with two competitors, two students, and it can be any genre or tone, humorous, dramatic, or a mix of those. And you might see just about anything in duo. It's one of those events that really is a, a amazing creative canvas for students. So today we're going to be talking to, about duo to Alan Pino. Alan has been in the speech and debate community for a long while. He competed at Cheyenne East High School for four years, and in college he was a competitor for a year, and he has coached at Cheyenne East for five years. He has a bachelor's in communications and is planning to pursue uh, education, um, so he wants to try to get some sort of educational certification soon and wants to continue to be a speech and debate coach. Pino's a great coach, an amazing guy, a really good friend, and he's got some great perspective and insight. I think you'll enjoy this interview with Coach Alan Pino. 
Hi, Alan. How are you today? I'm great. Uh, thank you for having me. This is Alan Pino. He's a coach at East High School uh, in charge of the Congress program, but really coaches all kinds of things at East. And he's here today to talk about duo. I'm probably going to call him Pino because that's what most of us call Alan. So, hey, Pino, thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm, I'm excited uh, to get the opportunity to talk about duo, like you said. Yes, and you and I have had this conversation a couple of times now because I am not great with technology. <laughs> yes, but just like duo, um, everything's better many times, right? It, two times is better than one. That's right. Double your pleasure. This is going to be two times better than it would have been if we had only done it once. So, exactly. so let's start off with some important questions about you. On a scale of one to 10, how nerdy are you? So I'm an outstanding 10. Uh, I kind of check box all the classic, like geeky nerd things. Like I'm into comic books. I'm into video games. Um, I like anime. I wear glasses. Like it, I, I'm, I'm very traditional geek nerd, whatever title you want to give me. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. So comic books, DC or Marvel, which way are you? I love Marvel. Um, and I do read DC. Um, and of course, like you got to love Batman, but oh, yeah. overall I read a lot more Marvel than DC. Yeah. I kind of want to be a DC guy, you know, like kind of dark and broody and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, Marvel's just more my style. So I'm with you. So you want to tell me about your speech and debate origins? Like, how did you get involved in the activity? It's a pretty good story. What was it that brought you in and then what made you stay? So my origin story or my introduction into speech and debate as both coach and competitor, I feel it's a lot of like happenstance. Like it, it, it kind of was just thrown on me without me like, thinking, oh, this is what I'm going to be doing now. So as a competitor, I joined the East High Speech and Debate team as a freshman, um, completely unexpectedly joined. Like, um, I had a couple of friends who were doing a public forum debate, and they told me, hey, you should come debate. Um, you'll have a lot of fun. Join this team. It, you'll get to travel. All the classic um, speech and debate pitches you um, hear. And so I walk into our classroom and I get a bunch of evidence packets. I don't really know what anything means, but they're like, okay, take this evidence and then go write a case and then come back on Saturday and you're going to be debating with a partner. And I'm like, okay, I have no idea what that means. And even in like that first debate, I felt completely unprepared. And yet I'm like, oh, I love this. There's something about it that I'm like, I got to do it. And I did it all four years. And then even as a coach, I felt like I kind of fall, uh, fell into it, even though I always dreamt of becoming a coach. I'm the classic uh, person while in college who like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to take a gap year after my associates to kind of figure things out. And I happened to start volunteering with um, the East team after people like convinced me to go. Like I, uh, in the first place was like, eh, I don't know, maybe I should move on from speech and debate that time's behind me. And then my girlfriend and 
Ashley Souls um, convinced me to come to a practice and I'm like, okay, fine. And I watch a drama and I'm like, oh, I need to be back here. I need to start coaching. Like this is so much fun. And I volunteered for a while and then a, a position happened to open up and then they're like, do you want it? And I'm like, yeah, like I didn't like you guys could pay me in food for <laughs> however long you, uh, I just want to be here. So uh, my origin story, I think is um, a lot of happenstance and I'm very happy it happened. We're we're all very happy that you're a part of this community too. So we all benefited from the, you know, just you falling into the hole and then just never really being able to get out. <laughs> what what events did you compete in over the years? You you were a competitor both in high school and in college, and so about five years of coaching now too. So ten years in speech and debate. Is that right? Yeah, that's kind of the crazy number. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do? What did you compete in? So in high school, I primarily competed in Congress, Extemp, Duo, um, my uh, junior and senior year. And in my freshman, sophomore year, I did public form. Um, but I, I've competed in other events during that time as well, like humor, impromptu, um, and got to try the buffet of events that we offer to students. And then in college, I got the opportunity to uh, try out our new, one of our newest events of POI. And I did like some parliamentary debate, more extemp, um, event called communication analysis or CA. And so I got, uh, I, I got to taste a little bit of everything. So that was a lot of fun. But my, my true love is duo. That's, that's true. And you actually did a little bit of duo that is still out there on the uh, interweb if anyone's interested. <laughs> I'm sure Alan's really loving that I'm bringing this up right now, but uh, check out the Cran Map Duo on YouTube if you'd like to see Alan in action. Are you still going to talk to me or are you done talking to me now? <laughs> no, I, I, I'll, I'll gladly talk to you. And as much as I'm cringing, um, you could watch it and you can tell me you're like, how this kid did anything. I'd be like, yeah, that's my uh, response too, because <laughs> it was a, it was a fun time. There was a lot of great memories with that duo. It's a good duo too. Like I, I'm sure that you have different perspectives on it than other people who watch it, but it, it it's pretty solid. And I was impressed. I was impressed. Um, so are what you want to tell us a little bit about like why you like, why you liked competing, like what you enjoyed about competing, and then also what you enjoy about coaching. Um, and then we'll talk about duo specifically. So as a competitor, I enjoyed just having the opportunity of being on a team, being competitive, and all the aspects you would have, like if you were a part of a sport. Um, and like, unfortunately for me, like I'm like, I love basketball, for example, but I'm only like 5'1", and so I don't get <laughs> – I wasn't going to make the varsity basketball team, and I definitely wasn't going to be able to do um, or play basketball in college. But speech and debate gave me that opportunity in high school to have a little bit of that taste of what it feels like to be on a team, what it feels like to be competitive, and kind of meet all those needs that I knew I had but didn't think would have been fulfilled just because – I didn't have that traditional like athletic build or anything like that. And so 
I, I love that. And then um, due to being on the team, just the family that I ended up creating and kind of needing throughout my high school experience. And then um, extending that as a coach, one of the best parts is handing, like explaining the rules of the game to someone and then just stepping out of the way and seeing them do so much more than I could as a competitor and like seeing them fall in love with something that I love so much. It, that's one of my favorite parts about coaching, just seeing that experience happen year after year with new novices coming in. Just, it, it, it reminds me of like why I needed it. And hopefully I help give it to people who need this activity as well. That's some great stuff. I, you know, I really love that moment when a, a student comes into the, especially I think this works really well with debate, um, a student that really hasn't had the opportunity in athletics to, to compete, to go and try to win something and to have that competitive sort of situation because they just weren't super athletic and then get that from speech and debate. I, it's, it's really a, it's a neat thing to see because it's, it's almost like they realize for the first time there's something out there that can, that can feed this, this need inside me to compete. Um, it's, it's pretty cool to, to watch students get hooked because they've never really had that opportunity before. And I'm with you as a coach. It's, it's really, it's amazing to watch when students get hooked on something that, that you loved and, and sort of feed off of your love for something. And gosh, they do really do some things that you just don't expect, huh? There's, there's way too many times. Like, uh, the, I have had this um, a couple years back. There was these two novices joined the team, and they're like, we want to do duo. And we're going to do Willy Wonka. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess let's do it. And then they just worked on it, and they had a lot of success with it. And they were just magical and what they did was all on them. And I was just like there to just watch it. And then like, there's moments where I'm seeing them perform and I'm like having this out of body experience. Like, is this really happening? Like, how do I get the gift to experience this? Like this moment of like these two ninth graders who didn't know speech and debate before this have fallen in love with this and doing this at a very high level. That's the gift for me. And I'm like, I, I hope I get to, I don't hope I get to see that every year after year. And that's what's so amazing about it. Yeah. I mean, we, we really do get to see it every year, don't we? It's, it's unbelievable. There's so many moments like that. So what, what different events have you coached? I, I referenced it earlier. I, I think you coach a little bit of everything. Uh, what, what specifically do you have a hand in these days? So I have a hand in everything except for policy. Like, I have talked to the policy debaters. Um, and if you talk to any East High policy debater, they call me the policy head coach. Um, <laughs> and I do a really good job of delegating to uh, Jeff Pope. Um, and that's what makes me such a great uh, head coach for policy. <laughs> I, yeah, I, have, I, I help out with uh, PF and LD, um, help out with um, platforms when help is needed. And I... I do a lot more with the uh, interps. So let's, do you want to like transition into talking about duo a little bit? I would love that. Okay, cool. 
let's talk about first off what's really great about duo maybe maybe even like a small scenario so you've got a student and they're sort of their interest is slightly peaked about what duo is like how do you take it home like what is what's your little talk to like get them to be uh possibly hooked on this uh, in this event like what's great about duo i think i have a couple of like pitches that i would give to a student on why they should do duo but i i think one way I would go about it is kind of talk about the grand adventure speech and debate. And on any grand epic adventure, everyone needs a partner. Um, Sam and Frodo in Lord of the Rings, Batman and Robin, all these countless stories of these heroic events happen with someone else. And in duo, you get that partner. You, you get a Sam and Frodo or a Batman and Robin or any dynamic duo comes to life and you get to travel this, weird crazy speech and debate world together and create magic that i don't think can happen in other events like you get to be a little bit more dynamic because you're able to act with someone and respond to someone compared to a drama or humor where you're like it, it just as magical but you gives that little ingredient of another person and so now you're instead of acting with um this imaginary person this illusion that you created uh, against the back wall you have someone else in the room who's saying lines with you and you're able to create a dynamic that doesn't happen in any other event um, that we offer in our community. It's a super answer. I, I do. And I do agree. I think that duos can take things to another level Two people coordinating a story. There's so much more that you can do and the great duos do a lot and, and they do a lot that, that that's super impressive. So, so that's a, that's a lot of good stuff about duo. What, what about like in terms of challenges, what do you think is, is maybe some of the, maybe the biggest challenge with duo? So the very magic of duo of being able to work with a partner is also the like most difficult part about a duo as well, because you have um, like, whether they're novices or four year seniors walking into classrooms in like, we're going to be duo partners. We're the best of friends. We're going to have the time of our lives. We're going to be the, this amazing duo. And I'm like, I love that dream. And if that dream comes true, I'm going to be so happy for both of you. But um, the hard part is, is partners don't always align up in what they want to do. So like you can have these best friends who are like, yeah, I'm in, I'm going to be competing every weekend. And then the other friends like, I, I'm going to go play basketball. So I'm going to disappear halfway through the season. And when I come back, it's like the state tournament. And you're like, well, you, that's a hard time. It's hard to do a duo like that. You, you kind of want them to be able to work together. And then like, there's even other logistical issues around like, can you both be at practice? Oh, sorry. I work this day and they work that day. So we're only able to meet up 30 minutes on Monday maybe like I, I that's like the most difficult thing is like being able to coordinate and having the same goals as the partner but when that lines up then the magic just takes off and you're about to go on a wild ride that's i you know i think that partnerships in the state and and maybe elsewhere in speech and debate are just difficult i mean it's really hard to to find a person that you can count on as a competitor for so many reasons. And I think that if, 
if someone's been doing partner events in speech and debate for a couple of years, there's a good chance that they've been hurt. <laughs> Almost like relationships, you know what I mean? Like, there's sort of a, a residual fear that, that if they get involved in something where they have like a really high goal that their partner is going to let them down because they've been let down in the past. I think that's a big challenge for duo. I mean, I feel like the numbers in duo, especially this year, really dropped off. Um, and I, I know East had some really, really competitive, some great duos this year. But I do, I do think that we need to diligently work to try to find good partnerships for kiddos. Do you have any like really good suggestions for ways that we can try to mitigate some of those issues? And when people are interested to get them in partnerships, that'll be more lasting. I think the best thing you can do is ultimately comes down to goal setting, but on day one, when they walk in before anyone's like, Hey, you're going to be my duo partner. And we're going to do this piece before any of that talk happens. I would recommend um, having the talk of, so what do you want to do? Like, are you wanting to travel every weekend? Um, are you wanting to be highly competitive? Um, are you wanting to qualify? Do you want to be a state champion? Like where does the, that student want to take it? Because once you have that discussion, it allows, I, I think a couple things. One, it allows the coach and even like the competitor to, to see like, this partnership won't work because you two are planning two different uh, courses. But this partnership could work because you both want to do it. You want to do it all, and that's great. Um, but even if, like, numbers are limited and say you only have the two people, when you have that discussion, you can kind of create a little bit better compromise and not be blindsided for when um, things happen. So, like, if someone's like, hey, I'm going to – I'm doing this other activity. I'm going to be gone at times. With everyone fully aware of everything, you can kind of create that plan like, hey, can you like maybe come to this practice um, every other week or maybe we could set up a different time or can you two meet up at, um, on your own? Like, and through that, you kind of either ease the pain or help create magic that otherwise wouldn't have existed in the first place. Just setting that goal and being aware of that goal for everyone, both coach and competitor alike, I think does wonders. I think that's really good advice for any, any event really, I guess, is like knowing where you want to go, setting realistic goals and um, looking at what's on your plate and making decisions based on what, where you want to head and where you want to be. Uh, but I think that's, especially, I think that's great advice when you think about two people, you want to keep them on the same path. So you don't want to set people up that are already on different journeys. <laughs> so I think that's, that's really good advice. Do you have some like, um, some cool strategies or tips, uh, coaching sort of approaches, ways to sort of help duos um, select pieces perhaps first and then also just take their pieces to the next level? So selecting a piece, um, when you're in that step, I always talk to competitors and tell them to think about it like the Oscars, to think about it like movies, because duos is a little bit different compared to humor and drama because in humor, you're expecting humorous performances that are going to make you laugh and maybe feel good at the end of the round. In drama, you're expecting some tragedy to take place and maybe like be taken to places that you're like, emotionally, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> duo, it, it's a little bit tricky because you have that mix. And I think that's what makes duo a, like one, like higher competition because people are like, we have to fine tune our skills 
whether we're humorous or dramatic, to an even higher level to be competitive when we have to hit the other uh, side. Um, and so, like, when you think about it in movies and these Oscars, you got to be able one, tell a story that people are like, yes, that's a story I want to hear. And it doesn't matter that it was humorous or dramatic. It was just an amazing story to hear. Um, and like people want to hear that story. And so like, I think that kind of potentially can help out. And like, there's other factors that you can um, use as well while in that uh, like thought process. Because you could, um, you and the competitors, you know, coaching competitors can kind of put on their director hat and it's like, okay, we know um, competitor A strengths and competitor B strengths are more humorous. Like you guys know how to be funny. You have that comedic timing. So we're going to use this. We need to tell a more humorous story. But when looking at those humorous movies that um, win like the, the best picture, are even nominated what are they doing are, is it just completely um off the rails humorous or is there a little bit of heart um does it touch in on the dramatic tragedy side like what are they doing and then from those notes then you can be like okay we see this is what it's happening here on the big picture let's take that down and like try to find a story that could maybe replicate that um because I think speech and debate and movies oftentimes translate well. We're telling a story to an audience and how that audience receives that story is ultimately how they will rank you or how, whether or not they decide, yes, that's a good duo or that's a bad duo. Um, so that's kind of like how I try to set up um, the competitor's mind when selecting a piece. And then this advice, you could potentially apply it to other events, but um, it of course works best in duo. Um, since duo has that factor of you have another person operating with you, you have to be able to react properly to one another. Compared to a drama, when you're talking to that back wall and like you're yelling, like we get the picture in our head of how that other person would be reacting. Where in duo, there's no illusion that's happening. We see that full picture happening right in front of us. And so to just take any duo to the next level, having like proper facial reactions, it's like the number one go-to because when one of the teammates is reacting, um, has all these great emotions and the other one isn't reacting because they're like, I, I just don't know what to do. Like, am I supposed to feel sad? Should I feel frustrated? Should I feel angry? And because of that, they may feel a little bit uncomfortable as a performer. So in practice, you could kind of change up what you're doing. So instead of, um, practicing exactly how they're going to perform it in round you can have them face each other and that way they kind of understand oh you were saying this line like that and you're reacting like that I should be reacting like this and maybe I should like pause a little bit longer because like what you're doing is great so let me build off of that and so you kind of get a better um understanding of the dynamic that's happening uh between the two of you and that's on like the emotional level and then on like movement or blocking or the technical level I think it's always useful one once again to see what the other person is doing, but you can even um, play around with like real items in practice. So like locking a table can be like, sounds extremely simple. It's like, yeah, you do that all the time. But when you are operating in a confined space with another person and you're trying to perform a realistic t table, um, sometimes your brain's like, I don't know what I'm doing. And like now 
when that happens, you have like one competitor, like the table's a little bit higher, the other one's a little bit lower. We're walking through the table um, or we're trying not to and we're bumping into each other. And so just getting the idea of creating like muscle memory with the real item and it's like, okay, this is how you're going to look like at a table. Let's try to um, translate that into the duo performance and into the duo world. And with that muscle memory, you're able to navigate this environment and this world that you're creating. And through that creation and that muscle memory, you're creating a more real, um, realistic um, world that the audience get to enjoy. I, I love these ideas. I think these are just fabulous thoughts. I, I really, I think that we sometimes get a little bit too caught up in trying to have students perform their pieces exactly the way that they're going to be performing those pieces in competition and then try to coach them up the way that we see uh, would be the most effective, which I think is, is important. But it, as we, as I think most coaches know, uh, high schoolers can be a little bit stubborn and sort of <laughs> strong-willed and oftentimes think they know better than you. And, you know, honestly, sometimes they're not wrong. Uh, giving them the opportunity to see each other's facial expressions and to watch the way that each of them react during their piece could be really powerful. I, I think that's a really strong um, coaching strategy because it, 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 uh, I think it will translate the things you're asking them to do. I think it'll help them understand why they would be responding the way that you're asking them to respond. And then I also just think it's a really smart idea to integrate physical items into practice to help you think about blocking. That is something I've done in the past, but uh, it's not always the first thing that comes to mind. And that blocking is really important making those little things that you're doing look very real really makes a piece, you know, it, it takes it to another level. So those are, those are great suggestions. And I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the Pino test too with duo, but with like really any event. First off, what is the Pino test and how can we apply the Pino test to virtually any problem that we have in speech and debate and in life? <laughs> so, yes, um, I, I believe in the last episode with Viney, you heard about the Pino test. And the Pino test is all about why. Why are you doing this or why should I listen? Like, And I, I use that test for a lot of things, especially in speech and debate, because we have judges and audiences that are giving up their Fridays and Saturdays away from their loved ones or away from other activities that they probably would uh, potentially would enjoy more. And they're not waking up at eight o'clock in the morning to go judge a duo round. And so when that's the case and they're willing to volunteer that time, I think it's really important to be thinking, why should a judge listen to this? Why should they give me 10 minutes of their life to watch me perform? Because otherwise they don't care about it. And I think, um, since they're willing to give that, we should do give that proper thought. And when you look at any performance and you're like, why is this happening? Or why should I care? I think the performance ends up becoming a little bit bigger and just overall better because it's like, why are you telling me this thing about World War II? Like I've been, um, or like a performance about World War II. Like I've watched the History Channel. I went through high school. I went through college. I've heard about World War II so much. Like, I understand like this was a moment in history we should all be aware of. So why is your story any more important than any other history class that I've heard about or any other um, 
inspirational story that we've heard that came from that um, time period. And unless you're able to answer that, I think you're going to see that your performance isn't going to resonate with audiences that like you're hoping. But if you're able to answer that and then like throughout your entire performance, like, why are we moving this way? Like, will our, like we want our audience to feel this way. Is our blocking, are we saying the words right that actually create that feeling? Or do we think like, are we just kind of glossing over that thought and waiting until the big funny moment? And if you're doing that, then what you just did is you took the 10 minutes that a judge or an audience member just gave you and you're like, eh, wasn't as important. You should only pay attention to um, this like five seconds. Well, show me the five seconds. I don't need to watch the full 10 minutes. And, um, but when you do think about it, you, you're creating a performance that from once I hit that timer to um, that 10 minute mark, that audience member or judge is like, wow. That was amazing. And I'm so happy I gave 10 minutes of my life to watch it. Thank you. And that's where I think as a performer, you're just going to feel great. Like your confidence is going, you're feeling great. And then you're just like pumped for the rest of the tournament. And it's so fun to see that happen. It's a small thing, but it just makes so much sense in everything that we do. Finding the why, like what is the driving force behind this? Why does it matter? What, what difference will it make for your, for your audience? What difference does it make for you? Like, why do you care about this is such a huge, it's just a, it's a great question for pretty much everything that we do. The question that I think about as a teacher a lot and a coach and a friend and a parent and I mean, a, a spouse, all it's like, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? Why is it important? It drives the way that we act. Right. I, I feel like it's a, it's just a huge piece. And you were, you know, you'd mentioned it before in one of the six times we tried to do this before that, uh, <laughs> that, you know, students don't always love seeing you come to ask this question to them, right? <laughs> no. Um, so I've, I've gotten a lot of uh, nicknames and I've gotten a lot of um, interaction with students in a way. So like I got one nickname where they're like, yeah, I should go talk to Peen. No, because he's just going to tell me no. <laughs> or um, you have like one of the each coaches like go talk to Pino about it. And they're like, I don't want to talk to him. Why? Well, he's going to tell me no. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you no. I'm just going to ask you, why are you doing that? And if it doesn't feel like you're not doing like asking yourself why and you don't have a good answer, then I'm going to tell you no. Just because I think it, it, it's good to make sure we're thinking about our audiences and our judges who are so willing to give up their time. And when you start doing that, you're going to have a lot more fun. But yeah, I get a lot of, uh, I don't want to talk to Pino yet. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's funny because students are very eager to ask you as a teacher and a coach, you know, why we do everything that we do. But they're, they're not always super keen on trying to answer those questions when it comes to their pieces, their cases, the stuff that they're working on. So yeah, I find that kind of funny. Well, thank you. Do you have anything else to add about Duo before we just we talk about some other things? Just enjoy the magic of Duo for anyone out there. So like coaches or competitors, like it's a really magical event. And the way we're seeing it happening at the state level or the national level, it's really amazing what coaches and students alike are doing in the event. And it, it, it's it like, don't be afraid to take the risk. Like imagine what it's unimaginable with 
sounds impossible, but it keeps happening year after year. And I think that's what makes the event so fun is with that extra body, that X factor duo. It's like this playing field that you don't know what's going to happen, but when you find that magic, it's just like, it's not, it's unlike any other event in my opinion. Yeah. I I think that there's things you can do creatively that you just, that because there's two people, you, you can, you can expand your imagination in ways you just can't do with other events. So I'm with you. And, and golly, you're right. The stuff that happens in duo every year, there's, there's several times when I'm just absolutely floored and amazed by what students come up with. How about uh, some like just big picture sort of reflection, Alan, is there anything you'd like to share about your experience with the speech and debate community in general? The one thing I appreciate about this community, and this was both as a competitor and as a coach, it's just like, how ambitious and how like dedicated and how hardworking our community is. So in no way, or like the way I would describe myself to a lot of people, I'm no way the most talented at anything. Um, I was not the most talented competitor and I'm definitely not the most talented coach, but what I try to do and what this community has enabled me to do is surround myself with people who are just that much more talented than me and let myself grow as a person, as a coach, as a competitor, when I was a competitor. And so it's kind of a thank you to um, our community and please keep doing it. Because I know as a a competitor, when I was in high school, I was on the verge of dropping out. And this activity was the thing that kept me going and not only kept me going in the way of graduating high school, but seeing the bigger picture of like, no, I can do more. It doesn't matter if I'm not the most talented. Like I have a support group here in this uh, community that's going to just help me get going through the hard times. Um, I will get through it. And through the best times, we're going to enjoy it. And it's just an amazing community. So thank you. It's a really strong reminder to all of us that what we do can make a big difference for everyone and should drive the why behind what we do. So a couple of just really serious questions. Uh, The the first one is, what is your go-to speech and debate snack? Uh, Maybe as a competitor or as a a coach? So my go-to was taken last episode. Um, The good old Frito pie. He called it a Frito bowl. I don't know what he's talking about. The title is Frito pie. (laughs) (laughs) But um, if it's not a Frito pie, um, my go-to... And it could be either or Hershey Kisses or like uh, the mini Reese's peanut butter cups. And it, whenever a tournament does it, I'm just like, how dare you? Because I'm going to have to eat this entire bowl of Hershey Kisses. And I'm going to walk into whatever room or wherever the table is. And I'm like, oh, hey, how are you all? And like, you may see me 10 times. And I'm like, oh, this is a really long conversation. So I'm going to need like 10 more of Reese's peanut butter cups to keep my energy up. And by the end of the tournament, I probably be a couple tons of candy, which is probably not the best, but it's fun. I, I can definitely uh, relate. I think it's really difficult not to eat my, you know, my weight in food and candy at every tournament. But, uh, but you know, it's, it is what it is. We, we need fuel. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, What's next for you? You're uh, you have a degree in communications and a minor in marketing communications, and 
and uh, you're, you're coaching for East and you're substitute teaching right now. What's, what's the big picture plan for, for Alan Pino? So the dream, and this all comes from getting the opportunity of being a, a competitor who needed this activity and then now to coach, hopefully helping those who were like me. Uh, the next big goal is to try to become a teacher, like a permanent teacher, and just being able to coach for a very long time and help out students who were like me, who are like, I just need one friend. Well, come to speech and debate. You're going to find many more than that. So that's the dream. Who knows when that dream will become reality, but one day it will happen just like every dream. You're going to make a tremendous teacher. You're already a fabulous coach. The community's lucky to have you. How, how is, uh, how's life going in the middle of all of this coronavirus lockdown in, in Cheyenne? It's fine. Uh, we are living that um, like social distancing life, uh, trying to stay away, try to stay at home as much as possible. Of course, we're hoping no one around us or close to us gets sick. And but we're we're just trying to stay positive. Um, I personally like to think like what what's going to come out of this. Like I think uh, we're going to have uh, like next year for performances potentially this insight into students that. Um, others won't have because people like students are going to be talking about this about coronavirus or about pandemics or about isolation and this is going to be their um, vehicle for them to express themselves in the way that we're like yeah I lived through that too and what you're feeling you're not alone and I think it's going to really help out students uh, this activity absolutely I think we can think about the ways that we can try to help them focus on ways that we can, you know, change society to help things get better and also focus on the positives that we, you know, the things that we have in life and use the activity for good always. So I think that's a really strong point. Thank you so much, Alan, for talking to me today. Love your insight. You are a great friend and an amazing coach and the community is lucky to have you. Thank you for having me. This is always fun. It's always fun talking to you and more speech and debate stuff, the better. Thank you again to Alan Pino, an accomplished speech and debate coach at Cheyenne East and an amazing guy. Alan will definitely be back with us on the One Clap Pod in the future. I look forward to talking with everyone again soon on the One Clap Pod. If you have any ideas, questions, or thoughts about what we could explore on the pod, please reach out on social media or email me at lylewiley at gmail.com. Also, if you are able and willing, please consider leaving a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Reviews will help listeners find the pod, and hopefully we can get the pod to coaches and competitors who might benefit from the excellent information and inspirational stories shared by coaches like Alan. Thank you very much for listening. Please be safe, be kind, and I urge you, Judge, cast your ballot for the One Clap Podcast. <laughs>